Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? Okay, let's stop here. This means that people who talk to themselves are not crazy. It is normal to talk to yourself. Now, it is abnormal to lose an argument with yourself, but normal people talk to themselves. He said to himself, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat drink and be merry. This is the definition of retiring at 40. He, Mama, I made it. I ain't working no more. I'm retiring. But God said to him, fool. Ooh, there's some bass in his voice. Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful for this moment that we have in your presence, God. You said wherever two or three of us are gathered, God, there you'll be also. And God, if you're here, God, healing is here. Miracles are here, God. You are here to transform lives. God, speak through me. God, anoint me to speak. And God, as you speak, we will obey. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen and amen. I want to preach a message today called What's Your Number? What's Your Number? Now, I wasn't thinking about this. This takes me back to high school where you kind of, hey, girl, can I, can I get them digits? What's, 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 what's your, that's not the what's your number I'm talking about, though. Uh, you, you ever heard people ask these different kind of questions like, what would you do for money? You, you, you ever heard the question? Probably the one I hear the most is, would you go around boxing with Mike Tyson for a million dollars, for $5 million, for how much would somebody have to pay you to go one round of boxing with Mike Tyson? Now, I was thinking about this, and there's, okay, which Mike Tyson are we talking about? Are we talking about 20-year-old Mike Tyson, like Iron Mike, like Killer Mike, like the hardest hitter on planet Earth? Or are we talking about 56-year-old Mike Tyson, Killer Mike Tyson, the still hardest hitter on planet Earth? It doesn't matter which version of Mike Tyson you put me in. A, and here, here's... Like he's, like, he's like 5'10". Like, he's probably as wide as a truck. I'm like, maybe I could just run around the ring for like three minutes. How long is around? Three minutes, eight minutes, whatever it is. If I could just run around, he'd have to catch me first before he could hit me. Now, if he caught me. Oh, now here's the other question I didn't think about. If I go around with Mike Tyson, do I have to make it to the end? And if I die, does the money go to my kids? Or, or do I actually have to live through it. Or, or, or what about this? <laughs> we actually used to do this in restaurants with my brothers. What can I pay you to eat this? Like at the end of a meal at a buffet or whatever, we would take everything, put it on one plate, mix it together, put a little bit of juice in it, some salt, some pepper. Like, I'll give you $10 if you take a mouthful of this. Now, you may think we're crazy, but there's an entire show called Fear Factor that is that exact Thing. I will pay you whatever it is, $100, to eat this poisonous spider and not die. What is your number? We think about that in terms of retirement. When I hit this number, I will never work again. 
If I had this much money, I would never. But, but, but maybe you have a number, and your number is not financial. But what, what's your number? What's your number of vacation days until you feel like, man, I finally got into a place of peace and rest? But what's the number of friends that you need before you could finally feel significant? What's the number of square footage that you need in the house before you'll actually say, I am blessed? What's the number of degrees that you need before you feel like you have something to offer life? What's the number of people that have to walk out of your life before you walk away from the call of God on your life? What's your number? What are you counting? What, what matters to you? Here in Luke, we find Jesus sitting with his disciples, and he had just taught them how to pray. He said, this is how you ought to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And he goes through the Lord's Prayer. And then after the Lord's Prayer, he starts talking to them about the power of God's Word, has the ability to bring life and to bring purpose. He starts talking about being wary of religion. Don't get caught up in doing the right things without a heart of knowing God. Then all of a sudden, he takes this detour and starts telling this parable. And a parable, is it's a Jesus movie. It's a story for him to illustrate a biblical truth. And he starts talking about this man that has everything and says, I've got so much stuff, I need bigger barns to be able to hold all my stuff. I'm going to tear down my barn, build a bigger one so that I can hold everything that I have. Here's what I'm wondering. What happened to all his junk when he tore the barn down? Like, where did you put it until, because you don't just like throw another barn up. And here's what Jesus said. He said, this guy had no idea that his soul was going to be required of him that night. And everything that he built was lost. Here's my question. What's your number? What are you counting? And are you counting the right thing and the things that actually matter to God? First thought I want you to write down, write this down. Counting isn't bad. Counting isn't bad. Now, I, 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 I it, it drives me nuts, uh, those people who, who, who get excited over bashing God's church. And the church is messed up here, and the church is there, and the church is this, and the church is that. Wait, I thought that we were the church. If we're followers of God, we are the bride of Christ. It's not them, us, or whatever it may be. So I never want to get into a position where I'm bashing the church. However, the church <laughs> just has a way of extremes. I'm not saying they, I'm saying us. We, we struggle so much with balance, and we get into a place where, where we just go to one end or the other end. So when it comes to counting, one end is nothing in life matters except for God. You shouldn't count anything. Don't count money. Don't count your children. You got enough. Don't count. And then there's the other side of, hey, this is all that matters. I'm counting all my money. I'm counting all my followers. I'm counting. What about some balance? We need to count the right things, but counting is not bad. Matter of fact, you will get yourself into trouble if you can't count. Come on out. You ever been pulled over by a police officer? And he said, ma'am, sir, do you know how fast you were going? Do you know it will not work? Sorry, Mr. Officer. Sorry, Mrs. Officer. I don't know how to count. Come on now. 
We've got to count our weight, our health, our physical bodies. Because if we get out of whack, you're going to find yourself more susceptible to sickness. You, you, better, you better count your money. Because if you don't count your money, you're going to spend all of it. And then you're not going to have enough of it. Or you're going to put yourself in a position where you can be taken advantage of. Counting actually matters. i never forget. Probably one of the most embarrassing moments of my entire sports career and I had a very short sports career, ended senior year of high school, but I played basketball. And if you're from the Baltimore area, we were playing Gilman Boys Prep School. And Gilman is like, if you went to Gilman, God bless you, I have no respect for you. It's one of the private schools where like we go to class just to play sports, but it's about football, baseball, basketball. I'm sure they learned something, but not much. So we're playing Gilman and, okay, this is where I really get in trouble. I'm a part of this, like, Christian homeschool basketball team. All of our jerseys were, like, three sizes too large. We were all probably about 120 pounds dripping wet. And that was the total team weight, not just even. Be quiet. So we're getting ready to head into the halftime of this game. We are already down by 40 points. It was, it was, it was a bad day. It was a bad day. And uh, somebody on my team made the mistake of passing me the ball. What do I mean by made the mistake? Because it wasn't common practice to pass Stephen the ball when he was on the court. It was just kind of when Stephen's out there, it's four against five. So they passed me the ball, right? And it's I'm coming down to the end of the halftime. And the entire stadium, we were playing at Gilman School. The entire stadium starts to 10, 9, 8, 6. This is my moment. I'm going to hit a half-court shot to end the half, to bring morale to our team. Yeah! So I wait, three, two, from half court. I heave that thing. First of all, I missed the basket, missed the backboard, went over the backboard, hit the back wall. The ref had to die for his life. But I'm standing there, walking to the locker room, and I hear the whole arena in laughter. I look up at the clock. There wasn't 10 seconds on the clock. There wasn't 30. They tricked me, y'all. There was three minutes left in the half. You need to learn how to count. The whole point is counting. Don't make somebody, don't feel bad for the fact that, hey, I actually pay attention to things, and there's certain numbers in my life that matters. Having financial goals is not ungodly. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. It says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. What does that mean? That means as believers, as followers of God, when it comes to our finances, we should be thinking about our grandchildren, your children's children. Hey, you're not going to be able to leave finances to your grandchildren if you don't count and budget and steward. There's nothing wrong with counting your money. Watch this. There's nothing wrong with valuing other people's opinion of you. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 1 says this. If you must choose, watch this, take a good name rather than great riches. For to be held in loving esteem is better than silver and gold. This is God's word. God says how people think about you matters. Come on now. 
You should count the impact that you have on the world. You should count how much of a blessing you are to the people around you. Genesis chapter 22, verse 17 says this. God speaking to Abraham, he said, blessing, I will bless you. Watch this. God says, I will multiply. Are you going to multiply numbers? He said, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. Counting, ma counting matters so much that God wrote a book called Numbers. Because counting, numbers matter. There's nothing wrong with counting. Here's the problem. Are we counting the right things first? Are our priorities in order? Write this down. Count the right things. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Now, when it comes to spiritual folks counting, like, okay, God wants me to count the things that matter, righteousness, and, and the things of God. So here's the things that we count. We count our church attendance. You, you know, I, I, I've, been, I've only missed three Sundays this year. I'm, I'm doing, we count our church attendance. We count, come on now, am I the only one who counts my Bible reading plan? Listen, when I get that streak going, it, what irritates me is when it's like you have a nine-week streak going, and then I miss a day or I lose a streak or whatever it may be. We count how much we the Bible. Some of us may count how much we tithe. God, I give you first 10% every time I get paid. I better be blessed. Some of us count how much we sin or how much we don't sin. God, I, I've made it 48 hours. I ain't cussed out my grandma this week. I am doing, I am. But, but, but when God said seek first, watch this. He said seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is right standing with God. Righteousness is how we live our lives in honor of what Jesus did for us on the cross. I, you're in trouble. We count righteousness, we don't count kingdom. Can I say it this way? We count our performance as Christians. We don't count our impact as Christians. Matthew 6, 30, it says, seek first the impact that your life, the kingdom of God, and righteousness. And then all the other things that are worth counting, God will add those on to you. Here's what Jesus said that he counts in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. It says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. One more time, Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost lost. When God says seek first his kingdom, do you know what the kingdom of God is? The kingdom of God are souls. The kingdom of God are people. When he says that he came to seek and to save that which was lost, what God was saying is my number one priority, the number one thing that matters counting is how many people know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and how many people are still separated from God and still need to be found by the grace and the mercy of God. 
I think when Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, I think what he was saying is the first focus of our lives as a believer should be how many people we can point to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Simple question. Have you ever counted like one, two, three, or five? How many people are going to heaven have an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ because of your life? No, no, no. I didn't say count your church attendance. I didn't say count your tithing record. I didn't, not that anything was bad. Have you counted your impact on other people's lives for the glory of God? <laughs> I, um, I remember my first job out of uh, University of Maryland College Park, greatest school on planet Earth. I, uh, I was probably, it was me and this other young lady, probably youngest um, people on the whole floor. Everybody on our floor was probably, you know, 15 years older than us. My first job, I'm super intimidated and all this other good stuff. And I start working there and it didn't take people long to figure out that I was a Christian, that I was a follower of God. And, and they would just, I mean, just start asking me Bible questions and what about this and what about that and all this other good stuff. And, and I kind of hit it off with this young lady that I was working with because we were the only people kind of in our own age right out of college, that whole drill. And as I began to work and get to know her better, I began to realize that she was living a lifestyle, let's just say, that was completely opposite to the way that God made her. And it just got up in her mind that I, God's disgusted with me. God has nothing, wants nothing to do with me. Church isn't for me because they judged me and all this other good stuff. And, and, and I believed that lie that we hear in church sometime of let your life be the message. Don't beat people up with the gospel. Don't, 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 don't breathe down people's necks with Jesus. Just, just let your life speak. So I, can I be honest? I was scared to share my faith. But I, I cloaked it in the idea of I'm going to let my life speak. So one month goes by, two months goes by, three months go by, six months go by. I actually leave the job after six months, and in six months, I never shared my faith with that young woman. That's the end of the story. There's no great, well, I ran into her two years later, I shared my faith. No, I have no idea where her eternity lies. All I know is that I missed an opportunity that God, I think, set up on purpose. And I'm thinking back of, A, I was just intimidated and afraid, but B, why is it that I did not share what I believed at the time and still believe today is the most valuable information somebody can ever receive. And I realized I didn't share my faith because I didn't really believe that lost is lost. I didn't really believe that if somebody does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that their life is currently being destroyed and that their life will ultimately be destroyed, separated from God. There's a lot of believers like me that you believe in Jesus, you just don't really believe in separation from Jesus. 
You believe, yeah, I've died on the cross for my sins, but we don't, haven't even kind of taken the space or the time to think about what does my life look like or what does someone's life look like if they don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Well, here's one thing. If somebody does not have Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they have no covering, they have no protection, they have no buffering from the enemy. They are susceptible to an unstoppable attack from the enemy. The enemy has the authority to attack their relationships, to attack their health, to attack their money, to attack every aspect of their lives. Sometimes it's a overt attack. Sometimes it's a covert attack. I'm going to use you to destroy you with your anger or with your lust or with your insecurity or whatever it may be. And there are people whose lives are being destroyed by the enemy because they do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Another thought that crossed my mind is that when someone doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, it's going to sound weird. Not only are they not protected from the enemy, but they're not protected from themselves. This is where you. Some of the worst things that happen to us are not the enemy's fault. Some of the worst things that happen to us are the decisions that we make based on our own desires. And without the Holy Spirit dwelling in our lives, there is no buffer. There's nothing that's keeping us from self-destruction. It's Jesus that keeps us from ourselves. When someone is separated from Jesus, they have no peace. They are constantly and forever tormented. Why? Because Jesus is the prince of When somebody doesn't have Jesus, they have a guaranteed eternity, burning in hell, separated from God. Here's a verse that you probably never hear read in church, but it's in the Bible. Revelation chapter 20, verse 14. It says, then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Man, this is probably the most unencouraging message I have ever heard. No, 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 no. This is what matters to God. And one of the things that I realize, I'm not talking about you, I'm just going to talk about Stephen, and you can just jump under this bus with me. We feel the pain of death. When someone in our life passes away, oh my goodness, it is like getting punched in the stomach. You feel that pain. And if you've ever lost a loved one, you automatically can empathize with the pain of somebody else's loss. Somebody loses a child, God help them, or a spouse, or a parent, or a close friend. What do you do? You come rushing to their side just to be there. I don't, I don't got to preach to you. I gotta, I'm just going to make sure that you know I am here with you. Why? Because we understand the pain of loss. Well, here's what the Bible says, that physical death is only the first death. But there's an eternal death that's a second death. And the problem is, as believers, is we don't feel the pain of that second death. So we go to work every day. We have family members who live in our homes. We sit down over Thanksgiving meals with people that are separated from God. And here's my prayer, not just for you, but for me. God, will you break our hearts again for the thing that breaks your heart, God, which is your lost children? Will you get us back into alignment 
of counting the things that matter. What matters to you, God, are people, people that are lost. Last thing is this, write this down. I need to live a life that counts. Counting's not bad. Money's not bad. Influence is not bad. Reputation is not bad. Impact is not bad. None of that's bad. It's just not first. He said, seek first his kingdom. We've got to make sure that we're counting the right things. But as we're counting the right things, we've got to make sure that we live a life that counts. I was, I was driving into a city. I was flying uh, uh, somewhere. And I was driving to the city from the airport to the, to the hotel. And, and I actually eaten right before I got on the plane, and the flight was only like a 45-minute flight. It was literally right down the street. So I, I, I jump on the plane, get to the airport, jump in the car, drive into the hotel. And as I'm driving to the hotel, there's this billboard on the side of the road that said, eat more chicken. Now, I had just eaten that specific Jesus chicken about an hour and 15 minutes prior to jumping on that plane. But for some reason, when I saw this sign, it's like the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, Stephen, you need more chicken. You just add chicken. But wait for me, because y'all know I'm crazy. There's something about seeing a sign that advertises something that you don't have that you weren't even thinking about it before you saw the sign. But as soon as you saw that sign, you were like, man, I need some of that. Well, watch this. You are someone's sign that they need Jesus in their life. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 says this. You are the light. Come on. Write that in the chat. Somebody say, I am the light. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Here's what God says about you, that your life is a billboard, that your life literally is a poster to the world of, hey, here's what it looks like in the midst of a dark world, in the midst of a dark situation, in the midst of a dark divorce, in the midst of a dark bankruptcy. Here's what it looks like to have hope in Jesus Christ. And watch this. If people don't see the billboard of your life, they will never desire Jesus, the love of your life. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 says this. So how can they call on someone they don't have faith in? And how can they have faith in someone they haven't heard of? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who announce the good news. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. I, I, I was out to dinner uh, with a good friend of mine. And uh, he said something that, that, that kind of messed me up, Lisa. He, he said, I know what my number is. And I'm like, 
what, what do you mean? And he said it was something like 38 or something like that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, that's how many of my friends have been baptized at Union Church since I started coming to church here. Now, yeah, I know I'm a little econ major. I'm crazy. We count everything. We know every single person that got saved since the day the church opened. How many people got water baptized? How many kids are in kids' ministry? How many chairs are in the flowers location? We know every number. But I'm not used to people who just attend church counting. He said, no, 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 no. I know how many of my friends have been water baptized at Union Church since I've attended here, and that is a number that I always keep because I want to make sure that my life counts for something. <laughs> That's called positive peer pressure. As soon as he said that, I started to think, okay, how many of my friends have been baptized here? Not, not how many people have been Listen. The church is the church. God is moving supernaturally and lives are being transformed. Thousands of people have been saved here at Union Church. And yes, it's because of my leadership, but, but I can't take credit for all that God is doing in this church. There's thousands of Dream Team members everywhere that are served. I said, Stephen, how many of your personal friends have been water baptized? How many people have been impacted for the glory of God because of your personal life and your personal walk with Here's what Jesus said. He said, seek first my kingdom. What is that? Seek first so worry about what I worry about. Live a righteous life. Live a life that is glorifying to God. And watch this. He said, and I will add everything else that you count onto your life. Just a thought. What if everything in our lives outside of people meeting Jesus wasn't our responsibility. Like, just think about all the pressure. Think about all the goals. Think about all the ambition. Think about all the things that you're striving after. I, I want to be buried. I want to have kids. I want to hit my first million. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do... What if that's not your responsibility? Now, I'm not telling you to be lazy. I'm not telling you not to work. I'm not telling you not to develop your gift. We just got out of stop waiting for permission. So you know I believe that you have unique genius and you have responsibility. But what if all the pressure that you're living under, God has said, if you would make my pressure your pressure, I'll make your pressure my pressure. If you would focus solely first in your life, not on, hey, where's my marriage? Where's my kids? Where's my money? But helping lost people meet a Savior that loves them more than they could ever love themselves. What if when we focus on what God focused on. He begins to focus on what we're focused on. With all my heart, I want you to have a blessed marriage. I want your kids to blow your mind and to exceed your wildest prayers. I want you to have more finances that you need so you can be generous at every occasion. My prayer is that God would keep you in perfect health. I pray that you go on every vacation you want to go on. I want every inch of your life to be blessed. But what if we lived lives that were focused on helping lost people meet Jesus. And we allowed God to add all of those other things unto us. Let's pray. Father God, we're, we're grateful. God, if we'd be honest, none of us feel like we have the perfect life that is a, an example of what it means to be a follower of Christ. 
But yet, God, even in our perfection, God, your grace, your strength is made perfect in our weakness. God, we thank you for the privilege that it is to be a light in a dark world, to be a billboard of your grace and of your forgiveness. Right where you are with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you could pray this prayer with me. Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Give God a moment, an opportunity to speak to you right now. Maybe he's saying, hey, don't stop counting, but can you start counting the right things? Can you not just let your life speak, but let your mouth speak the hope that's found only in Jesus? Maybe you didn't quite get past the point of the message where I started talking about what life separated from God looks like you realized, I am tormented by the enemy. I, I don't have internal peace. I, I don't have a relationship with God the way that you're talking about. Well, if that's you, now's your moment. You don't have to wait one more second. You can surrender your life to Jesus and experience the peace and the hope that only comes in him. Right where you are, pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for caring about me enough to lay your life down, to die, so that all of my sin, all of my mistakes can be erased. Right now, I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.